What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I've got one big topic. Okay. The first small one is that uh, I was going to change out of my Mickey sweater, and then I realized that is not the point of this podcast. Yeah, this is who this you is, are. I'm not going to pretend yep. <laughs> to be someone who has nice clothes. I respect that. Uh, so the thing that I thought was most interesting is Chris D'Elia came back in the last week, kind as of. did kind of Brian Callen, who showed up on the Fighter and the Kid podcast. Well, Callen's more back. Yeah. Callen went and did a full Fighter and the Kid podcast, yeah. which is, was his old podcast that he still owns half of. Dalia is kind of back. He released an apology video, but yeah. he's not back yet to creating content like he used to to entertain people. Yes. Yes. Like Callan just showed up to the fighter and the kid. I don't think addressed anything. Just sat down and started podcasting. Yep. So I, I watched the Chris Dalia, uh It's been a while, which was essentially an apology video and a discussion of what he, he says is sex addiction. And I thought... I thought it was interesting, but it had several non sequiturs. Mm-hmm. Like when he was talking about, for instance, his sex addiction and apologizing to the public mm-hmm. for it. I was like, okay, these are non sequiturs, especially given that at the beginning of this, what you mentioned was that you had done nothing illegal and all your relationships were consensual. Now, yeah. I understand a private apology to people who you were unkind to or didn't treat nicely, but it mm-hmm. seems... It, it seemed very confused to me, and I don't want to break down why. Quick, Go for it. Quick recap for people who don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. Chris D'Elia, comedian, actor. Some women came out and said that he was messaging them when they were under 18. Mm-hmm. He came out and said, as soon as I found out that they were under 18, I stopped talking to them. They've released the screenshots in the wrong order, basically, or done some clever editing. Here's the full account. They go back and forth, and what comes out is that Chris D'Elia has sex with a lot of his fans. And so far, nothing has come out in terms of it being non-consensual or someone under 18, but that mm-hmm. he does have sex with a lot of his fans. Yeah. So that's that's where we're at in terms of what shook out so far. And in the video. And he disappeared. In he the disappeared. video. Yeah. He lost a movie. He literally shot a movie and they just recast the part and got and th- got rid of him. He was in a TV show. He was not brought back for another season and he stopped making YouTube videos. So actually, it ended up having a very large impact on his career. Yeah. So, so this is why I didn't really know what to make of it because while I 
I was like, okay, it sounds like you cheated on your fiance. I was going to say this. Definitely deserves an apology. Like, she does. That's the part <laughs> no one is talking about. Yeah. I see a lot of people upset for on the behalf of his fans mm -hmm. who he slept with because maybe they're 21 and there's a power dynamic and we can go into what that means. But very, very little spoken about the fact that he had a fiance. So it seems to me like what people are canceling for is not the infidelity, but the hooking up with fans. Similarly, when Kevin Hart cheated on his wife, I think this is, uh, well, maybe not the first time. Maybe it was the first time because there was some, uh, I don't know how he, he how we wound up with this first wife. He says that he was with his old, his ex-wife and they'd sort of separated and then he wound up with this new woman. But he did cheat on her, was being blackmailed. And no one cared about the infidelity. Yeah, no one weird. cared. And that was happening at the same time as he was being canceled from the Oscars for nine-year-old tweets. Mm -hmm. So it is interesting because to me, the, gradle, the greatest moral lapse that they both described was the betrayal of their most cherished relationship. I completely agree. I, <laughs> I, I want to talk about Crystalia in terms of what people are coming at him for. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot about the power dynamic thing, age. But to, to me, the thing he did that's the worst is the thing no one is upset about, which is mm -hmm. cheated on his fiance like 50 plus times. Did he? Well, was that he didn't say that all of them were on his fiance. He said he cheated on every relationship including his fiance yeah my impression was that he basically had sex every night that he went out to tour mm -hmm. which was a lot I, maybe he just met his fiance a couple months ago but if they've yeah. been together for years it sounded like he's cheated on her yeah a so lot. so what i what i totally was this is why i felt non sequitur when i was watching the part where he described sex addiction and how it ruled his life and how he'd receive 50 dms reply to all of them try to get laid as often as possible and how it became all-consuming i'm going this is a segment makes total sense but it's bad for for him yes that i would understand if he came out and he said i had sex addiction and it's bad it's really bad for me mm -hmm. what he said which i don't know if this is true because i'm not i'm not one of the people he dm'd was that he was pretty upfront purposefully because he didn't want to hurt people so someone would dm him and he'd say you should come back to my hotel or we should have a drink and then mm -hmm. have sex he was very explicit yeah if that's true if it's not true then okay well if you're lying to people and deceiving people it's bad but if that's true is that hurting the fan because i understand why the sex addiction hurts him but my question is your fan you say oh my god i saw you're coming to town i love you so much and he says that's awesome you're really cute we should get a drink and then you should come back to my hotel and that's his first message to you and then you have sex with him are you harmed by that are you harmed yeah has he done something bad to you well there's two questions one are you harmed by that and second is it his responsibility such that you are he ought to apologize and it, yeah, that, that, he that, has harmed you, I guess, versus yes. you've, you've purposely like made a decision that's just yeah. bad for you. So the first one I think is, I don't know the answer to like, let's put it this way. Let's say that Chris D'Elia was uh, like a drug, a heroin user mm -hmm. and was honestly inviting people to come back and shoot up with him. And they did. I think at that point, it makes sense to like apologize to them. Clearly they have their own free will, but hey, I invited you to do something that wound up being very destructive to your life and I probably could have anticipated that. Mm -hmm. And even if I didn't, I'm sorry that I was a, a vehicle through which you did that drug addiction thing. Mm -hmm. The question is where, so if drug addiction is over here and then over here is like, you know, I invited her over to play board games. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. And, I, and like uh, board games, I'm addicted to them. They're really bad for me. They've totally consumed my life. But I'm not going to apologize to all the people I played board games with sure, because, video games. because I don't expect that it or well, then video games maybe are somewhere else. Maybe that's got a more addictive quality. It's more likely to destroy your life. I don't know. The question is, where does sex 
fit in this sort of spectrum continuum, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, et cetera is not the right word there. Where does it fit on that continuum? Uh, and I have heard people describe it a variety of ways. I actually don't know the answer. Uh, I can understand that and that it is upsetting to sleep with someone, want more of a connection and relationship with them, and then not get it. Yes, that is upsetting, but that happened to me in college. Yes. I met a girl. We knew each other for months. We flirted. We hooked up. We had sex. I wanted to date her. That was not her plan. Mm-hmm. I was. My feelings were hurt. I wouldn't say that she did anything wrong, though. Mm-hmm. Like I was hurt, but I, and I wouldn't say that us having sex was any worse than the human experience, which the Buddha describes as nothing but suffering. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So what someone's friendship could hurt you. Maybe you want to see them more often than they want to see you to, to interact with the human and have mismatched desires is going to cause harm. So but what's and, the solution? to that? So well, I'm going to go with what I I, I follow you. I'm going to go with a lot of people say the power dynamic that's become well, the, that's the so yeah so there's so so let's play this game so let's pretend that Crystalia is not Crystalia he's just a guy who looks like Crystalia who isn't famous some girl sees his profile thinks he's cute mm-hmm. he says hey do you want to come over and have sex is that a problem assuming that he has a sex addiction and it winds up being should ought he apologize for that if he isn't famous I think a lot of people think. Well, certainly not publicly. Like if you're a CEO of a company and that's, you know, she's not contacting you because you're the CEO, even though you're a public facing figure, you don't necessarily need to apologize for that. Where a lot of people say that there's a problem is when they are younger because that they, they is seen as increasing the power dynamic uh, and that they admire him. They admire his work. Mm. But what I would point out is that in the scenario that you just described, there was a, I, I knew you at this time. There's a tremendous power dynamic. You were obsessed with this girl for mm-hmm. a period of time, and she was not obsessed yeah. with you. Well, she started, <laughs> and then I blew it. <laughs> okay. But the point is that power dynamics exist outside of fame. Yeah. Uh, staggering power dynamics in terms of who wants whose attention and, is, and, and would do anything to get it and would take you to dinners and change your personality and do things that you wouldn't normally do in order to get someone to like you, sleep with you, pay attention to you, look at you a certain yeah, way. Yeah, Joe Rogan makes the point. Being a beautiful person is an incredible power dynamic <laughs> mm-hmm. in terms of if power means someone is willing to make sacrifices, throw money at impressing you, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it's an ob- obviously there is power in beauty. Yes. There's power in money. There's power in fame. There's probably power in physical strength. Like mm-hmm. there's power all over the place. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so th- that's another thing. And then, okay, you've got the age thing, which is I... Dude, 18-year-olds are stupid. I, I, as an 18-year-old, was dumber than I am now. And at 23, I was smarter than that, but dumber than I am today. And I suspect when I'm 40, I'll be smarter than I am today. (laughs) And and I'll look back and go, I was dumb. This is the difficult question of uh, at what point, and I guess it's a sliding scale, does your responsibility kick in to make decisions? What's weird is in our society, you can join the military Mm -hmm. At age 18, you can decide that you're going to put life and limb on the line to go die for your country, whatever that means (laughs) to an 18 year old. Um, You also get to decide who runs the country. You get to vote for the most powerful position in. So like we've decided that you're smart enough to get an equal vote to anyone else in terms of who runs the the amount of manipulation that goes into that decision is huge. Like uh, how many politicians are telling you the truth about what they intend to do? Uh, so I guess we've got the impressionability of of younger people, 18. What I what I just see is 
I suppose it's a mismatch. It's like this is a this is a scenario where we are very focused on the naivete of young people and the power dynamic of Crystalia over this person, and I don't see that. Uh, concern equally applied in other domains of public life, like we, we voting. We definitely don't. We, we, well, sorry, you're talking about the age. Yeah, two things. We don't. We don't tell them. We don't tell people that at 18 they're too stupid to make a life-altering decision and, like joining let, the army. Well, let's say not stupid. Let's say naive, impressionable, and likely to make decisions that harm themselves. Sure. And therefore, the person that encourages them to do that is the is the responsible party. But we also don't tell guys at, that are getting bottle service at a club that they're victims of the beauty of their hostess mm-hmm. you know what i mean like we knew we knew when we lived in vegas women who worked as bottle girls they were hired for being beautiful and they were paid more the more they could get a guy to part with his money so their literal job was to use their power dynamic of their beauty to get you to buy overpaid bottles mm-hmm. and we never would go oh that's a person abusing their power dynamic to get this guy to part with twenty thousand dollars that he isn't getting good value yeah. for just as just as an anecdote it was my, my brother's ex-girlfriend was one of the best saleswomen at the club that she worked at and i went when asked she said oh no i just tell them what they're getting i was like what do you mean she, she says they order this i said you're gonna get the dom you're gonna get the this you're gonna get the this and they just say yes and she could she, she knew when they really didn't have the money to do that but she also knew that they were not going to say uh, that's too no, that's too expensive. Can we get it. the cheaper brand? Yeah. And maybe... they want to look good in front of her because exactly. She's and it, so there's, if if we're concerned with power dynamics, I want to see it equally applied. Uh, is is my request? Well, <laughs> I mean, yes. Yeah, I was actually just kind of pointing out that we are okay with these power dynamics often. Yes. I mean, the other thing I thought it's it's just an interesting. Th- this is not my suggestion at all, but it's funny to think of power dynamics as in they stack. Mm-hmm. So a certain amount of power gap is okay. If you're a little bit more beautiful than someone or a mm-hmm. little bit more famous than someone, that's totally fine. So what if it is that once you acquire wealth and fame, you can no longer date anyone that's more than three years younger than you. But if you're middle class, then it's okay to have a 10-year age gap. And that's just how society decides to rule things, which is kind of like what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Crystalia, we think, was sleeping with a 21-year-old or a 19-year-old while he's in his 30s. And because he's also famous and wealthy, that's bad. Mm-hmm. But a regular guy, that's totally fine. So it's Apparently. funny because it, it, it's almost like the societal rule is the more power you accrue, mm-hmm. since age is a power, the tighter your age gap has to be before you get canceled. I would say the more power you accrue, but the rule that I'm seeing, and I don't know that I endorse this, is that the more power that you accrue, the more responsibility you have and and I'll, I'll say it because I only really see it going one way. I see it going men to woman to make the woman in the relationship happy with the outcome of it. Because mm-hmm. I, I am not seeing this flipped on its head where I'm seeing the expectation that beautiful women should uh, not let guys buy them dinner when they know that they're not yeah. going to sleep with them or date them or something like that. I haven't seen that outcry at Victoria's Secret models or <laughs> who are uh, enjoying that sort of stuff without making the other end of that relationship happy so well the other thing is not all power is created equal because you'll see this a lot with comedians but not so much with athletes or rock stars you know what i mean i haven't seen a rock star get yeah. canceled for having sex with women as he tours mm-hmm. the world that's just what we expect them to do so it's actually not the the math is not just how famous are you and how much money do you have there's something else going on because J.R. Smith's texting girls and his first DM is 
you want you trying to get the pipe. Yeah. And people Jared laugh. Smith is a basketball player, by yeah. the way. And people laugh and it becomes a meme, but no one is saying that he should be shouldn't play canceled yeah. or penalized. So yeah, there's there is another thing at play besides just sure. how, how rich and how famous are you? Well, we we mentioned this name, but Bill Gates. I mean, if you look at how Bill started dating Melinda, she worked several levels beneath him yeah, at yeah. Microsoft. I mean, the power dynamic could not have been more severe, but people don't get upset because he married her. And my sense is it's like, what if that relationship hadn't worked out after the second date? Now it's a problem because the information that he had at the moment where he whatever asked her on the first date or was everything would have been the same in both scenarios. Mm -hmm. And so it seems like the way that we uh, adjudicate publicly these is, is, and I, I'm, this is what I'm seeing. And if, and if I'm missing it with the genders reversed, let me know, is the woman happy with how this relationship turned out is how we determine if the power dynamic was acceptable or not. And I think that's messed up. Mm. Uh, I think it's messed up that we're totally fine if and probably would have been like it might have been a raise a few eyebrows but if crystalia had slept with and married a 19 year old i think that people would have been okay he, he wouldn't have been he wouldn't have lost his jobs i don't think if he was single yeah he's single one fan dms him she's 19 they have sex start dating and he marries her well he wouldn't lose his jobs over that yes and now let let's because i because i i can anticipate the counter to this which is uh which I think is a, is a fair criticism. You don't, in any relationship, business, sexual, friendship, want to be flippant with people's emotions. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like you don't want to uh, do things that you expect will knowingly harm them. But that's intention with giving people full information to make whatever decision they want to, whether it's business, sexual, or otherwise. And this is what we're we're saying is. Uh, if Chris is upfront about it and he says, hey, you want to come back? And I think his line was, do you want to come back and make out? Somebody comes over, makes out. Uh, it's tough for me to perceive that person as a victim, even though I can totally understand why they would be upset after it. Hmm. And it's tough for me to um, say that the responsibility, I guess it's, what is it? That Chris... If you say that Chris has responsibility, you are taking responsibility away from that person. And I don't think that's a kind thing to do to an adult to say that you. Well, no, not in 2021. Where the <laughs> genders are equal and everybody's. Yes. Just as smart and has just as much personal responsibility and ownership over their life and control over their destiny. I guess this like, is what I'm saying is like, look, if 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 Crystalia is the one who because he has the power and the knowledge and the this and, and this this younger or group of young women couldn't have. Um, handled it differently, that the power dynamic was so stacked against them. That is very, that's patriarchy. That's very patronizing to them to say that you need an older male figure to make decisions for you because even when given full advanced knowledge of the likely results of this, you cannot make a decision in your own best interest. I don't, I can't think of many things more patronizing yeah, yeah. than that. Uh, no, and if, if Chris, if details come out that are, counter to this if a girl was 14 or if someone was forced or whatever this is yeah. just what's come out to date i think there are times obviously which this should almost go without saying but i just appreciate that people if we don't say it assume this is not how we feel where the power dynamic is horribly abused like selma hayek and uh yeah. harvey weinstein complete abuse of power he propositioned her she said no and he made her life a living hell while she tried to shoot a movie that's wildly inappropriate that's not 
the same as hooking up with a fan. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm saying there are power dynamics throughout every relationship. And mm-hmm. I don't think they should all be treated equally. I actually don't begrudge a beautiful woman who on a first date has a guy buy her something, dinner, mm-hmm. drinks, whatever. And I don't begrudge J.R. Smith yeah. for when a fan says, hey, you're coming to the city. He goes, you're trying to get the pipe. And she says no. And then he says, okay. <laughs> and doesn't mm-hmm. yeah. doesn't force it or follow up. And so to I, I think that's the issue is well, like there is- are bad power dynamics. Mm-hmm. Harvey Weinstein, Selma Hayek, you do see it. And it's awful. I don't think every power dynamic is the same. And I don't think that they should be canceled mm-hmm. the same. Well, you brought something up that might take us down a different path. So if you want to come back to this. No, thing. no. You So there's another question of when is it okay to directly proposition sex? Mm-hmm. And so like the example that you gave with J.R. Smith is like, hey, you're coming to the city. And he responded, you want to get the pipe. To me, <laughs> that's a little too soon. Oh, you know I, actually I, mean? think, I actually think everybody can proposition whenever they want. You might so be we, cre- we, you might be creepy. Yeah, people might not. Here's the thing: you just have to back off as soon as there's a no. I mean, this this taken to its extreme, that behavior results in some person who she hit him up first. He didn't instigate. So I, what 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 this would look like if this were universal is when you get an unsolicited DM, you're allowed to ask the person if they want to have sex with you. Yes. And beyond DM, I mean, you could take that to the real world. I, I don't, I think that, and whether we cancel, I don't think we need to cancel this, but I would say as a matter of social propriety, it's, you should wait for, uh, there should be a give and take that, that gets you closer. They don't want to waste her time or his time. That's how he felt. And, and to, to, I mean, listen, I get what you're saying, which is, um, he's not, step listen, into his shoes. He's, he's not, got a, he's got a list of these things and he knows not blasting that, them off. And if he yeah. is, that's different. And there should be different rules for if you're going to just blast off to a thousand people. Sure. But if someone messages you out of the blue and you respond with that and then she says no, and then you say, okay, sounds good. Why is that bad? You know, I have to, I, I do have to sit and think about this. Part of it is like, um, I can't tell if this is American society that needs to grow up and be able to acknowledge that people want to have sex and encourage people to say no and encourage people to ask more. That's where that story went so with J.R. Smith. She yeah. said no. and Well, she was, this girl might have been underage with J.R. Smith, which I think is, is obviously different. Like Yes, that is different. Yes. So let's pretend for this case that this is someone who is not underage. Um, if you say hi to someone, I mean, personally, that's not how I would want to behave. And I, I know you wouldn't, and I'll and I'm gonna say no. That. But let's say no. But let's say I I hit up. I don't want to say I uh, a famous female celebrity. Yeah, I won't name anyone. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm a huge fan of yours. I started coming to my city. I'd love to meet up with you. She says, she hey, says, you want to come over and have sex? You want to come over and have sex? I go that not what I wanted. No, thank yeah. you. I was just thinking drinks. She said, no, I don't want drinks if you're not gonna put out. I go okay. Yeah. Has she done anything wrong? So I. The vision of the world that you're for, I, I understand, which is like, it's a nice world where people can state what they want to adults, be told no, accept no. And this is also on. all done being yeah. done on the phone, which I think removes a lot of the pressure. Like, it's one thing if J.R. Smith is standing above you in a bar and he's gigantic and your back is the bar and you're, you're a woman and you're scared. Mm-hmm. But these are, these are being done via DM. I mm-hmm. think if you can't say no to someone via DM, what does that what does that say? That says that he has so much social power that when he DMs you and asks, well, it's not you DM. Well, sex, this is the question: is what responsibility do you have socially to make people? Well, that's what I'm saying. To make sorry, to make people comfortable, not just uh, it's that you could you could say no, but you would feel uncomfortable in the moment of having someone ask that. 
to you, even via DM. That's how I feel when people try to sell me stuff. That's how I feel when people try to get me to donate to charities that I don't support. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel anytime someone tries to upsell me anything. I'm constantly made uncomfortable by people wanting things from me that I don't want to. I'm coming around. I'm coming around to this. What I'm, this is probably. We're fine with that. No one begrudges the the car salesman that tries to get me to go from the $25,000 car to the one with the moonroof for twenty nine thousand, we we might poo poo salesmen as slimy, but we don't say they're doing something wrong yeah. that should get and them so, fired from their job or whatever it might be, yeah. like and, with, or the, or that they would have to make a public apology. And I now mean, I'm in the same uncomfortable position of either saying that I don't want this, and they're like, oh, a guy like you won't even notice, right? They're like trying to put social pressure on me. Yeah, but that's this is just happening all the time. You know, I feel like part of what is underlying so much of this and Crystalie's apology is that sex is so taboo in American culture. It's like you can ask people to spend more money. You can ask people to join your your uh, your pyramid scheme. You can ask people to do this. You can ask people to uh, you can come to someone's door and say, join my religion. You can do all of these things Dude, that fan, have a dramatic impact on your life. A fan but, can yeah. DM you and say, I, I absolutely love your work. I think it's so great. I'd love to get on a call, a call with you. And you're like, I really appreciate the message. I really appreciate that you're watching my stuff. I just get a lot of these messages, so I can't. And then they'll start to say, well, oh my, like, how could you say this to me? Mm-hmm. I'm your biggest fan. Now they're going to put pressure on you yeah, yeah. to get on the phone with them. Similar uncomfortable dynamic. Yeah. No, what you're saying is that we have... Uh, I have a weird view about sex, which is when it's amongst consenting adults, it's not a it, big deal. It's not a different decision to enter into than other decisions, whether you join a religion sign up for extra business stuff, uh, hang out, get on the phone with someone. Assuming that you're sober and it's consensual and you just regret it afterwards because the relationship doesn't work out the way you'd hoped, it seems very similar to a bad business deal or a bad friendship or any other thing that just doesn't go the way you'd hoped. You're, you're moving me. I, I think I'm there. What, I, what I'm noticing is that my, my gut reaction is that sex is somehow inexplicably different. And... As I dig into it rationally, I go, I can't find out why it ought to be. I was just raised to have this, you can't look, you can't say, private parts type yeah. type sense of it. Yeah, all. assuming people are of age, consenting, sober, I, I don't. And by the way, if you're if you are religious and you think that that's not right and sex is sacred, you are allowed to treat sex as sacred to you. Mm-hmm. And if someone comes up to you and propositions you and you say no, they will respect that because, like I said, this is about consenting adults. So what you're saying is, yeah, we're, we're almost I mean, I kind of like the vision of the world you're painting, which is clear communication, which I don't know how we get here. It's clear communication with a population that is uh that knows how to say no because they've experienced that and been trained to say no when they don't want to, much in the same way that you know how to not take a flyer from the person in the street if you lived in the city for a while. And, and you I know do, how to. And I do think social sexual pressure via DM to me is just that seems like a tenuous. If you met met up with a person, and then they get they trick you back to their apartment, they say, "Oh, you should come back to my apartment," and the. the they go, no, I, I don't really want to have sex tonight. You go, no, no, it's not about that. I'm going to show you a script that I've been writing. Mm-hmm. And they come up to see the script and you go to the bathroom, you come out naked. <laughs> yeah. Super uncomfortable, <laughs> yeah, like very yeah. uncomfortable situation. And you might end up having sex even though you don't want to because it's it's just so and you're uncomfortable. And you're scared of physical. You feel trapped. Yeah. They're between you and the door, right? Yeah. The next level to that, much less so, but still very uh, inappropriate, unsolicited naked photos, right? Same level. But to get a message... 
on the phone while you're in different physical locations. And but what you're saying, you're also distinguishing between who reaches out, as if I'm understanding. Yeah, I'm saying when you reach out to someone and they respond with with a, oh, that's awesome that you like me. Do you want to do you want to get a drink and then come back to my hotel after? Mm -hmm. To me, the idea that you would feel pressure to do that beyond the fact that you well, not pressure. It's not pressure to do that. It's uncomfortable by the statement. It's, it's sure, sure, but don't respond or say no. Got it. I like the vision of the world that you're painting, where we're all not so sensitive and fragile that we can't uh, handle that. It's it's nice to think about. Um, one of the oh gosh, there was something else that I wanted to add, which is an important caveat, which I'm going to forget and will come up in the comments and haunt me because I didn't say it. <laughs> um, Go ahead, if there was anything. No, I just, in some, it was, I was interested. I watched the video uh, and I thought it was interesting because the the thing he said he's sorry for, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, was that they were familiar with me, they liked me, and there was a power dynamic. And that seems true of every time two people have ever had sex. That is what people are attempting to make happen. I've never had sex with someone who wasn't familiar with me in some way, liked me in some way. And there was a power dynamic going both ways. There always is. Well, and so, uh, well, so they say power imbalance, but quite frankly, like I've I've felt like I've had sex with people where they had a tremendous more power than I was way more invested and tried way harder and showed up at their at their play and Yoko made you ono, come with me. Yoko to Ono <laughs> broke up the Beatles. Like beautiful women have power. Women, <laughs> beautiful have men power. have power. Yeah, people uh, people have power people in ways that goes power. beyond. That's fame. all. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Yoko Ono broke up the Beatles. So. Every person, I guess, has power over the other. And then there's a power imbalance sometimes in the male to female direction or the female to male direction mm -hmm. in every relationship to some degree. Sometimes it's a little bit. Sometimes it's a lot. Sometimes it's a lot the other way. Mm -hmm. Well, and what I can say is from a practical standpoint, and, and so there's these moral considerations, then there's practical ones. And the practical one, which I understand is like, look, uh, well, actually, here's what I wanted to say. I think part of the reason that you are um, advocating for the yes, no, I do, I don't want to is also because you expect that when J.R. Smith or whatever athlete sends those response messages out, he's going to get a very high yes rate. Like, I think, and I think that is factored into your, a little bit into your decision making there. Uh, if somebody's going around constantly getting no's from those sorts of things, like, hey, Maybe stop asking, <laughs> you know, like you, you've got enough signal to know that like mm -hmm. this is not a legitimate question at this point that anyone's going to say yes to. But J.R. Smith's experience, I'm pretty darn sure, is lots of yeses to that. Lots of uh, I understand what you're putting on the table and I'm going to come make it happen. Yeah. And then every it's a spectrum, every change in circumstances changes the answer a little bit. So if you're the first person messaging. That's different than if you've received a message. If you are, uh, yeah, I don't think you want. I mean, you wouldn't want to socially encourage outbound or in-person messages propositioning sex because if that was socially encouraged, that would just be such a pain of a world for women to wade through. Yeah, yeah, like that would be fucking awful. You wouldn't be able to read messages from your friends because it would just well, yeah, be that, I guess an onslaught. Honestly, this is the Crystalia question: Is J.R. Smith? doing wrong by saying i go to different cities all the time because i play basketball in the nba and i'm only trying to spend time with someone tonight if there's a good chance we have sex yeah because i'm jr smith getting a bunch of dms from women mm -hmm. 
and some of them are very excited to have sex and some of them just want dinner and i don't want to get dinner with the one that just wants dinner yeah and so if i'm the one getting the 50 dms which chris Lee said he's getting 50 dms every time he goes to a new city so i'm jr smith i get the 50 dms i want to have sex with someone that's just what i've chosen to do as jr smith am i wrong for that is that the evil because if that's not the evil then what he's doing is just filtering as quickly as he can for what he wants i think there's also a partially what we're expressing is that people feel disappointed let down hurt when their expectation does not meet the outcome and Mm -hmm. so you get someone like dan bilzerian where his public persona is such that if you just sleep with him and he never contacts you again your expectation should meet the outcome of that and perhaps that's more true with athletes and rock stars and perhaps it's less true with comedians but doesn't i don't know doesn't the direct messaging address that almost to some degree if crystal it you clearly say, doesn't if I you think. say hey i want charlie i'm a huge fan of yours and i would love to get dinner and you say okay why don't we go to nobu and get dinner and you don't mention anything about being sexual you have set no expectations this but is the you, aziz ansari but by if the way. you write if you write okay got a couple questions for you first do you live in la are you single how old are you mm-hmm. you're demonstrating that you have some you're tentatively demonstrating that you have some sexual interest. You've level set more of the expectations. When J.R. Smith says, do you want the pipe? <laughs> As the first thing he says, yeah. he's hard setting the expectations. Hmm. So, yeah, I'm fi- I mean, society having a rule that says maybe have a couple messages first, but I almost feel like when you try to present yourself as if that's not all you want as if you're not a comedian or an athlete that's just going to leave the city tomorrow never contact you again that does more harm i would think maybe i'm wrong but that seems like the worst thing you well and also and this is the other question like doing harm and being responsible are not necessarily connected because at some point what we do want are interactions between adults that we recognize to be responsible for the outcomes of their decisions and even though like in the case of the heroin user, you would be like, look, to everybody that I invited to shoot up with me, I'm sorry. That was a bad thing. I was, it was, I'm sorry to have encouraged you. We hopefully ultimately recognize that the person who chose to do it themselves is the responsible party and is not a victim of the friend who invited them well, I guess to shoot up. The alternative is you just assume that any one night stand has a victim because of the fact that there wasn't a second night and then you socially stop condoning casual sex i think that's kind of what we are doing but as you said it's only with regard to particular people like no this is what i'm saying like, <laughs> like we have a we have a i have a friend who's attractive he has a good six-figure job he's not famous he's not a millionaire but he has he has one night stands all the time he should be canceled if this is what we're saying mm-hmm. like i'm positive that some of these people are being harmed so so it's weird it's weird to me being say, har- or are upset are yeah are, are saddened by the outcome of the of the interaction yeah and then the other thing is i get screwed in business sometimes and i'm sad about the internet is the rule just anytime someone makes someone sad then the other person is a to blame and b should be considered bad for it yeah no i like what you're saying which is we need to find a way and of course it's look nothing happens on your 18th birthday where you're instantly wise but we need to st- or your 19th or your 20th. Or your, like or your why 20th, or your why 20th. are these people in the military? Yeah. Maybe the military, maybe this age of consent and the age to go to the military and the age to vote should all be 25. Yeah. And then if you're under 25, 
you have a two-year band with which you can hook up with people. So yeah. if you're 23 and they're 20, you can't do it and you don't get to vote and you don't get to drive and you don't like we can mm -hmm. just decide that because science has said the brain doesn't stop evolving till 25. That's the new age. But it just seems odd to say to be able to choose the leader of the free world, but not deal with the pressure to to make a decision about who you sleep with i agree it's, I, a, it's a strange i need to be protected from making the decision of hooking up with a celebrity and being upset mm -hmm. but not from the decision to join the military mm -hmm. and getting shot i don't know it just seems weird it's, like, i agree how, it's how, totally weird how, are, how good or bad are we at making decisions at 18 yes it's totally if, it's totally weird let's just have a, a consistent rule and if that's if that's i mean the military would not let this happen but if we bump up the age to say you can't join the military until you're 25 when people are making better decisions by the way <laughs> there's a there's a probably not really a lot of people, much yeah. better argument to say that no one over 27 should hook up with people under 25 yeah. you know it's just we as a society have we're, we're, it's incongruent yeah. i guess so and then i get it, the other thing that i'm just realizing is like you want to be patronizing to children. It's a good thing to act like a daddy figure, even if you're not the dad, when there's a kid and he's doing something stupid and you see him running across the street, you grab his arm and you go, you can't run out into traffic. Like yeah. patronizing and being the, is, is good. And then at some point, there are adults that you have to go, I, though I think I know what's best for you, my responsibility to you is to give you the facts as best I know them and then allow you to make your own decisions and not protect you or prohibit you from the outcomes of yeah, those. Yeah, we let people become alcoholics. We don't track how much they drink. You mm -hmm. know, if you volunteer to go to the bar every day and drink 12 beers, there's no one looking out for you trying to make sure, you're, you know, that you can't go into bars because mm -hmm. you're making bad decisions for yourself. Or or you're allowed to get even beyond that. You're allowed to marry someone who's not right for you. You're allowed to, you're allowed to make all kinds of decisions. That So yeah, I don't know what to do with this. But then there's another segment of it, which is... Again, it made sense in and of itself was his description of sex addiction. And then when I listened to it, I was like, yeah, that sounds, you answered all 50 DMs every single night. That sounds all consuming. Yeah. Uh, and it seems to me that sex is kind of similar to food in that it's one of those things that is like, it's not bad for you. It's not like you want to cut it out like heroin. The answer is not zero sex. Yeah, zero heroin is a pretty solid is, is policy. It's a great number. Yeah, any, any moderate heroin users out there uh, upset by that, you're excluded, but yeah. most people, <laughs> zero is the right number of times to do heroin. Yeah, there's certain addictions where it's, it's like- probably not the right number of times to have sex in your life. Yeah, and it might be, it might even be the right number of times I play video games to play video games and go, you know what? For me, the, the answer is none. Mm -hmm. I just, or TV, the answer is none. Uh, and for some people, monks, the answer could be no sex, but for the wide majority of people, it's going to be some. Some food and some, some sex, food. even though both are addicting Yes, to and some people. Yes, and then it was just, I, I when I listened to him talk, I was like, okay, that sounds beyond the pale. But also I'm worried of, I think we kind of pathologize uh, wanting to have casual sex. We make it an illness. Yeah. And when I've, I was listening- you, and this You've is seen the South Park episode, right? All these rich and powerful yeah. men are becoming sex addicts. It's, it's rampant. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. And I, I listened to Brett Weinstein, and I'd like to talk to him. And he he talks, you know, casual sex is like junk food, and relationships are like nutritious food. And as someone who has done both, I can tell you my my relationships, uh, people seem they're not harmed. all perfect. People seem more <laughs> harmed by relationships than by casual sex. Sometimes. And here's the thing. They can both be good, good and they can both be, bad, they can yeah. both be bad. And I don't. You no, know, people kill themselves over relationships. Like it's clearly not harmless to date seriously. And I've had 
casual sex that has led to um, one, nothing. And that was fine. And I've also had some of those like, we've remained in contact once every six months via social media. And when this individual has a question about starting their YouTube channel, I can help them. And they say, oh, where are you living? And it's like, yeah, you hook up on and off for three years. And, but mostly you're just friends who see each mm-hmm. other once every six months. Um, and yeah, when I hear this, uh, I feel like there's no nuance around this. Is, like I hear Jordan Peterson talking. I hear Brett Weinstein talking. It's, it's this casual sex is bad. It's, it's too dangerous to be trifled with. And everybody needs to look for a monogamous relationship. And as someone who has been, um, quite frankly, more emotionally hurt for my long lasting relationships, which isn't to say that they weren't worth it, mm-hmm. but like more of the difficulties in my life have been caused by those, uh, Where's the caveat for monogamy? <laughs> Where's the caveat well, for yeah, Jordan? I mean, I believe Jordan always had mental health issues, but what triggered his what ultimately sent him into a medical coma was dealing with his wife's cancer. Cancer. And again, that's uh horrible, but is a result of the deep and underlying commitment that he made to her. And I'm not saying her, it's a bad thing yeah. at all. I'm just saying it's it's weird to say that a relationship is bad because it has harmed you at some point, because his marriage has harmed him. At some point. Yes. And and what he would respond is it's been overwhelmingly good. And that's what I would say about is possible with casual sex encounters as well. And I feel like it's getting left out of the conversation. Do uh, you think and I'm, I actually don't have a conclusion to this because I'm just a guy. And I don't I haven't experienced both. I wonder if there is a difference in how the genders process casual sex. And if there is. I wonder how you square that in 2021 because we are trying, I think, to treat everyone, regardless of gender or any other factor, the same in terms of having control over their life and personal responsibility, which is to say, if one of the genders is more harmed by this, I don't think it's the other gender's responsibility to make decisions for them. You know what I'm saying? I agree. And now, and that's underlying all of what we're saying is... um, a practical consideration, which I which I've seen, because I'm not I'm not naive to the idea that uh, I've had relationships. Where I'm like, look, I'm not looking for anything serious. Oh, I totally get, it, I totally get it. And then that person is saddened when nothing serious comes. So yeah. I have learned, I have learned that without being uh, necessarily patronizing, as a matter of practicality, uh, I am sussing out. I'm not just engaging in casual relationships with anyone who is open to it. I am looking for like, do you understand what this means? And not just do you say yes, like, do you is that really for, is get that for this? moral purposes or for yourself? That is for a mix because I have after when someone is hurt and I engaged in part of that relationship, I feel guilty. So right. it's a very practical consideration. You can call it moral because there's an element of guilt and I'm but sad that think, they're sad. Do you think someone would be in the wrong for walking around? By the way, the, the number one thing that underpins all this is being honest. So Every first date before a kiss, they go, just so you know, I have never dated someone exclusively and Mm -hmm. I have no plans to in the future. And then they have a relationship with that person. Mm -hmm. And that person wants after three months to be exclusive. And the first party goes, I said, I said this day one, I'm going to say it again. I don't want to do it and I'll never do it. And then they keep dating. And then a month later, the person finally says, I can't be with you. And they're heartbroken and Mm -hmm. devastated and sad. Has the first person done anything wrong? Because I would argue... No, I don't think it's their job to do a psych eval on the other person to decide if they think they're qualified to handle a non-monogamous relationship. I think their job is to be honest. And then it's the other person's job to evaluate if that relationship is something they want to enter into. Yes. What I would say is if we know somebody, we make fun of them. 
um, and it's who, listen, you can say one thing and then behave in a way that's like, and then on the second date, bring a dozen roses. Mm -hmm. And on the third date, invite both families to a picnic. And then on the fourth date, be like, hmm, when I have kids, I'm going to name them this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. So there is constant communication and you can overwhelm what you said on the first date That's with fair. your behaviors. Assume their communication. Assume it's consistent and constant and congruent. Just, they're like, hey, I want you to come meet the family. Like, no, it's not really my thing. Yes. Oh, what do you want to do for Valentine's Day? I was thinking you'd come over and we'd watch a movie. Like, yeah. just assume like consistent communication. Yes. Uh, assuming consistent communication, I don't think that there is a moral imperative. I think that Honestly, I think that the moral imperative at some point is to treat people as adults and to respect their ability to make decisions that might wind up upsetting them, assuming that you've provided them with the fullness of information that you have at your disposal. Mm -hmm. The other thing is you might make somebody, you might try to do what's good for somebody and hurt them. Yeah. Anyway, I might, this, I yeah, might yeah. start a relationship, say, hey, I'm never going to date exclusively. Three months in, the person's trying to have me meet their family or whatever. And then I go, oh, I, I am getting the sense that you want more than me. We should end it. And now I've heartbroken that person. Now I'm do now I've done harm in order to prevent yeah, yeah. harm. I, I so that's what I'm saying. It's weird. It's it seems weird to put all the onus on one person to prevent harm in both parties. What I can tell you, and this isn't to say, is um, and we've strayed way from Crystalia. Yeah, we're, we're about, off. Crystalia. I'm just talking about the world of dating. In my experience, and this isn't to say no. I don't. I can't think of a time when somebody has held me in such like a woman that i'm dating has treated me as so irresponsible over the outcomes of my decisions yeah, nor would i want them to nor would i want them to yeah where they go you know what i actually do want this but you're not prepared like i i there's nothing approximating that in my past and i don't think there ought to be mm -hmm. i have made decisions in my past that have caused me harm and as i reflected on it I went, the, the the biggest thing is, did you tell me the truth? Mm -hmm. Like, if you lied to me, no, you had, then you then we got a problem. You had a relationship where you were, at one point, you were not dating people exclusively, and the woman said, I'm looking for a husband, I'm looking for kids, and I'm looking for it soon. Mm -hmm. And you had, a, you had that communication, and then you dated for a little bit, and then she ended things because you didn't want to be that husband and that father. Mm -hmm. And you would have liked to keep dating her, so I don't know how sad or harmed you were, but it wasn't your ideal in the moment. But I think that was perfect. You both were honest the whole time. There was a mismatch in what was wanted. And after a couple months of enjoying each other's company, it split. And now she's married with kids. And it's like, mm -hmm. that to me is the is close to like the Plato's ideal of how that goes down, mm -hmm. which is to say, everyone's honest. No one's manipulating anyone. And then lovingly parts ways, even if it made you sad in the moment because she had said the whole time this wasn't what she wanted. And I'd said the whole time that it wasn't uh, what you wanted. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So she and ultimately, and we she, both, by the way, and we both made a decision knowing that those things weren't true, to be together for a month. You know. Yeah, yeah. So I, I that to me is how that should play out. Mm -hmm. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat. Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket. Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? 
Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, uh, I'd be curious what the. Uh, yeah, that's that's how I feel. It seems like the underlying thing is, be honest as much as you can, and beyond honest, congruent. Because that's an area that I've messed up in the past, where mm-hmm. it's like, you know, hey, I don't want this, and then can signal with other things that that you do, or you just got to try to make your communications uh, consistent. Mm-hmm. I think. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there, but uh, it was. If you want to give it a watch, I think what you will see that I saw is this is as confused as the current discourse on sex and power is in America mm-hmm. because he's apologizing vaguely to who? To the public? I, the people who deserve an apology as I was listening to this your fiance. are is your, fiance your fiance and the people that you've <laughs> cheated on and perhaps the friends and family that you've ignored uh, because you were single-mindedly doing this. No, I'm sure he's done it, but the number one person that needs the apology is the fiance and that's the person that you hear about the least in mm-hmm. the blog post. And perhaps if there was anyone that you treated with casual cruelty, you know what I mean? It's one thing to be like- Or if you lied to someone. Yes, or if you lied to someone. And so what I would say is like, hey, if you want, hey, you want to come over and have sex, and then at the end you're like, well, now it's time for you to get the fuck out. Like, okay, we don't, okay you don't need to do that. <laughs> like there's, yeah, there yeah. can be, now neither are you, should you be expected to wine and dine if you were very clear about your intention because well, again i want people to be treated as fully functioning yeah, no, you don't so rather be, than you don't want to be a dick to anyone <laughs> we've done this for uh we've done this for a while but yeah it's it's a as confused as the current discourse on sex and sexuality is in america and i think hopefully i learned something here i don't even know yeah, what <laughs> what's what do you take away what's your lesson that America's relationship to sex is busted and it needs teasing out. And we, we we pulled out some of the things. Is sex harmful and who's responsible for that? You know what I mean? Like, where does it fit on the scale of things? Um, how, w- at what age should you have agency and responsibility and uh, the inability to claim victim status for decisions that you made that to, to get something that you wanted? Uh, and not just at what age, what are the factors that affect that? Because quite frankly, like if I'm being totally honest and I think about this, I think 18 is young and I think 18 is too young to join the army. Mm-hmm. I think that the pressure that can be put upon 18 year olds by recruiters and all these sorts of things. And I was 18 when I entered into college student loan debt. Uh, not that I couldn't have made the decision at 18, but the information that society had surrounded me with was oh, yeah. so bunk that it, it, I just made, I made the dumbest decision of my life that is a totally viable and consistent outcome that could come from this is the 18 year olds can't say listen 18 we actually got this wrong this is just too young for consent it's too young for the military it's too young to vote yeah that's an option i think the only thing i would say is just just tie them together Mm -hmm. if you're going to move up the age at which someone is 
smart enough to consider who they can have sex with, you should move up the age at which they're smart enough to give their life. Mm -hmm. I agree. And where I land is, okay, let's keep it at 18. Understand that 18-year-olds are going to make decisions that they regret. Mine yeah. was related to student loan debt. It wasn't related, and some relationships, I suppose, but it wasn't related to sleeping with a famous person and feeling um, jilted. I don't actually mind moving it up to 21. Say you can't join the military until you're 21. Can't take out student loan debt. You can't take out student <laughs> loan debt until you're 21. And until you're 21, you can't have sex with anyone that's more than 24 months older or younger than you. I actually, I think the reason that 18-year-olds in America are so likely to make bad decisions is because we've been extending adolescence. That's fair. So I think that the continued extension to 21 would just get you the same problems at 21. It seems like... Yeah, what does Europe do? Europe's the opposite. They, they start drinking younger and... Whenever you become an adult, you're going to make shitty decisions. Mm. <laughs> you know, and it seems like the only way is to hurt yourself, be told that you're responsible for the hurt, even though, like, dude, I was coerced into student loans, right? But they were mine mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Um, I wouldn't want to do it to my kids, but I look back on that and I go, okay, that was a wake up call. Like, and thank God it didn't end my life like mm. like it could have been uh going to the military and getting shot in some yeah, country like, Nazi to pay, yeah. instead of taking out loans you and i could have died Nazi. and yeah. i could have died and it could have been a, a coercive decision that wound up in my death um which really would have sucked but uh no i don't think you can extend adolescence i think uh, it's like yeah i guess the decisions that you should be allowed to make at that age should be ones that we have a decent degree of certainty will not end your life why do we do drinking at 21? Why do we do military sex and voting at 18, but drinking at 21? I'm sure there's some historical reason, but yeah, you, you pointed out, I think, just with the question that it's not philosophically consistent. At it all. just seems strange. It seems like the least important of the four. You get to choose who's the president, choose if you join the military, choose to have sex with adults, choose to consume alcohol. Yeah. The alcohol seems like. If I were picking one to be at 21, it wouldn't be my first choice. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. It's We've got all kinds of weirdness around adulthood in America. No question. All right. That was a, that was a lot of That's tangents. A lot. That was a lot. You want to talk? I got a student, a, a college-related one, which I thought was interesting. Just doing this. I'm watching Elon Musk videos, and he has a video where he says he doesn't care if you have a college degree. And... That's the title. That's what the comments are about. You know, I mean, that's the focus of the video. But what I thought was interesting is the full thing he says is, I don't care if you have a college degree. I just want to see a track record of exceptional ability. And that's interesting to me because we often, the, the hot, the take of college is overrated is very popular right now. But I rarely see people asking how to build a track record of exceptional ability or saying that that's what one should pursue instead of going to college. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is something that comes up a lot when people say, college is overrated they go well it opens doors it teaches you things as if there's no opportunity cost to those four years like there's nothing else you could do and basically elon said it in a way that i hadn't heard before but i really like which is you're gonna be fine as long as you spend that time building up something that you can show people shows you're talented mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah yeah so i i just think it's, it's he's a really smart guy and he often cuts through a lot of the noise and i just thought that was really interesting yes college is just a bad proxy for trying to figure out if you're talented i mean we hired uh our first big hire was ivan and he didn't go to college but he did start a business and sell it for 
seven figures. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. like, <laughs> that's I, a track record of exceptional. I, he beat out everyone with a college degree. Didn't ask once for his GPA. Didn't ask for his. You know, yep. Did not care. Um, probably he was one of the few people that applied without a college degree. He was probably yeah, yeah. one of the one of the few. I mean, yeah, some some people probably applied in college because they just didn't read the job description. Yeah. But no, and so I, I just thought that was really intelligent advice for people who are trying to i'm in high school i'm in college i don't know what to do grad school is being promoted to me or college is being promoted to me justin did you go to college yeah okay justin went to college i was just gonna say did we only they, hire did we only people? hire non-grads no, it's yeah the point is to just have <laughs> did you go to ucla have talent no i went to boston university why are you wearing ucla shirt <laughs> i have friends from ucla okay. no but we uh our video editor i don't know if she went to school school for video editing i have no idea what yeah, i've never asked justin that question is. i have no idea but she is very talented and sent us a reel of her edits and we hired her same with our other video editor actually andre mm -hmm. did he go to college i don't think so yeah i don't i don't know but i know i can tell he you sent us, he sent us a video <laughs> that he had edited and we went this is this is much better than what we currently have you're hired so yeah, it's it's funny because Dude, I if you ask me what grades the people who work with us have gotten, I have no, no idea. No. I couldn't tell you. But I, I guess what I'm saying is that's weirdly enough going to be true for most employees or sorry, employers. Like we're not the exception. If you want to go to SpaceX, it's I think as time marches forward, it's probably not the case today, but I think it's increasingly going to be moving that direction. No, I think the mistake people have been making is comparing people with college degrees to people with unimpressive resumes. If you're okay, just to participate, because I went into consulting and you went into iBanking, really what it is, is there's a tunnel slash funnel that mm -hmm. starts in college and you have to walk through it to pop your head out in investment banking or consulting. Except there was a kid. So every person that I worked with at Blackstone, everyone was basically Ivy League-esque, you know, maybe yeah. University of Chicago economics degree. But there was a guy from University of Wisconsin. He had networked his way into the job. He had proven that even though his uh, resume college-wise, wasn't as good as a Wharton or Harvard grad, something he had done made him beat out thousands mm -hmm. of Ivy League kids. So I don't know what that was, but he had proven to be and exceptional. They don't, they don't have campus recruiting probably at no, Wisconsin. Yeah. No, absolutely not. He's the first person that Blackstone had hired from there, I believe. Interesting. Uh, and I don't know how he did it, but it's a good example of a guy who was like, yeah, I'm not going to pay $200,000 to go to an Ivy school. <laughs> I'm just going to go where I'm from. And I'm going to be exceptional in other ways. And yeah. I'm going to beat out. I mean, we hired eight people. Yeah. He was one of them. He beat out thousands of Ivy League kids. So um, I think it's been, unless you're a doctor, I think it's been accessible the whole time, actually. Mm -hmm. But it is more convenient to go the beaten path. Mm. But I just thought it was interesting that Elon doesn't care. We don't care. Blackstone didn't care. It's actually not a requirement. It's just for the people that don't know what else to do. So they just go down the well, path. The and by thing. the way, I'm not knocking you. Yeah. I went as far down the middle of the fairway as you possibly could to like 25. So mm -hmm. it's not a knock on anyone who is following the path. It's also I really hard. Clever. Being 19, and th I get these questions, what should I do? And I, I remember kind of being 19 and going, what the heck? Uh, what do I like? People ask mm -hmm. me, like, what do you like? I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never really had the option to say what I liked. I've never seen, I've only had vanilla, the same sort of yeah, life. That's my the tragedy whole... of high school. There's a good college won't take you if you don't just do the all honors, four years of language type thing. So you mm -hmm. don't get a chance to explore 
I have no idea if I like working I on cars. I stopped, dude. I stopped taking Spanish in high school. And then when given the option to travel the world, I purposely learned Spanish and learned Portuguese and was interested in language. And I could tell yeah. that same story over and over that the things that high school, high school ostensibly exposed me to wound up being so dry and yeah. so such watered down versions of the real joy of whatever that subject was that I thought I hated it. And dude, I, I hated English class. Yeah, me too. I have read so much. <laughs> in my free time in the last yeah. 10 years. Nonfiction, fiction, an absurd amount of books that are gigantic. And I could not be bothered to read anything in English class. I would spark notes it because I hated mm. reading. I don't know what they do in school, but they make everything miserable. Well, I was, so Astral Codex 10 is the new blog of Slate Star Codex. I've said mm. the name wrong a couple of times. And the the guy did a book review and at just one point he's reviewing the book because they're talking about revamping education and he he says that schools are children jails and, and I, when i read that i was like i felt that because that was exactly how <laughs> yeah, i yeah, felt yeah. in school it, i liked school you hated school i have dreams about being trapped and it's always in school mm. i i hated it and he makes an interesting point that while not necessarily true for every kid and i don't know how this scales that for some kids who are bullied or bored or whatever that it is not an exaggeration to say that school for those kids is torture. Mm. There are there are kids that cry in the morning most many days before going to school, before they're just beat down, you know what I mean, and, and learn to deal with it. Uh, I was a kid who faked sick so often that they knew who I was. And what I, I had stupid little ploys where I'd say that I had a fever and a stomach ache. So if you like gave me medicine for the fever, then the stomach would get really bad. Like I had all of these and I never had a fever and I would go into the bathroom and try to heat up the thermometer on the light, man. And one time it came back like 115. <laughs> it's like, it like broke, I like broke the thermometer basically. Uh, I was- Did you go home that day? I did not go home that day. <laughs> Great. Uh, they knew. They knew. And every now and then, they would just let me. They knew I was full of it, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, and thank God for for Mrs. R. I remember her, man. I knew the school nurse. I remember her a little bit better than I remember some of my teachers because mm. <laughs> I tried to get out. Um, but yeah, for for some kids and kind of myself, it's jail. I mean, they make the point that, dude, you have to raise your hand to go take a piss. May I go pee? Yeah, and yeah. you have to do that up until 12th grade, yeah. at least where I was. Like, And again, if you don't do that, you get chaos in these sort of schools because you get one kid who runs down the hall. So you have to have these rules. I know that they 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 have them for reasons, but it's still wild. I remember the first time in college, I raised my hand to go to the bathroom. The teacher was just like, what are you doing? Just my training. Yeah. You know what I like, mean? Like, what, what, you... like, what are you, seven? Get out of here. Just go to the bathroom. It's I was like, like, what? Sorry, dude, but we all have been begging permission <laughs> yeah. oh, to yeah. defecate for years. No, I was 18. I was just a freshman. Yeah. So uh, I was just, uh, it had, I had flashbacks as I read that. And it doesn't sound like that was your experience, but that was how I felt. Uh, I don't know, man. I just got a lot of praise for doing well in school. So I just got to go to school, hang out with my friends, and then make my parents proud, proud of me. Yeah. So it was a good, it was a solid gig. <laughs> it's good for a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, and I sucked at cursive. Anyway, we can, yeah. we can get to I got it. another, speaking of school, I got another Elon Musk thing. I don't even know if I wrote this down, but uh, it's funny. He had some kids, looked around at school, thought, sorry, looked around at schools. But before he did that, he thought to himself, what do I think education should be? And then didn't find any schools that yeah. taught that way. So just started his own. He started with first principles instead of I, I, if I were a parent, would just reflect on my own education and then go, is, does this look like what I had? 
Okay, good enough for me. Yeah. He started with what should education be? None of this is good enough. And I just think it's interesting how his mind works like that. Yeah, he's, I mean, you're going to, I think, make a video. But mm -hmm. the questions that he asks are of such a high caliber. Uh, how could we do this at one-tenth the cost and 10x the speed? was like the boring company mm -hmm. question. Uh, why is rocketry so expensive? And how could we do it for one-tenth the cost? And he's like, well, you'd have to reuse the rockets. Okay. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah. let's, uh, why not? You know, we reuse all this other stuff. Like, let's do it. Uh, he is no everyone else would be trying to figure out how do you cut fuel costs five percent by making a slightly more efficient engine you know the you 10x the 10x principles is deeply ingrained into him mm -hmm. uh he, the same thing like okay ai is coming uh how do we even begin to uh, to stop it from just overrunning yeah. us well we need to be 10 times faster well how do we do that we need computers in our brains <laughs> i do also think he benefits greatly from survivor bias he was very close to going bankrupt on everything yeah people i don't think that people realize this he his original intent when he was starting his companies was to take half his paypal payout and invest it in spacex and tesla and if that didn't work let it go because he said i've got x millions of dollars if i lose half i'm fine both of them burned through that money without success and he had the option to let them die or put all of his money into them. And so he put all of his money into them and friends started paying his rent and food. <laughs> wow. And SpaceX had had three failed launches and they were doing their fourth launch. And if that launch had failed, even with all of his money, it was over. There was no more funding to come. And that rocket happened to have successfully relanded or successfully launched. It did what it had to do. But that was it. It was just one mistake from the death of SpaceX. One, yeah, one guy who doesn't tighten a screw the right way. Or, That's it. One yeah. wire that gets crisscrossed. And that was that would have been the end of SpaceX, which is now going to get internet all over the world. And it's considered <laughs> a genius. And Tesla's the same. Tesla had massive manufacturing difficulties. And were on, on the brink of going bankrupt a few times if they hadn't gotten a certain launch done or if they hadn't been able to get their manufacturing up from 1,500 cars a day to 2,000. It's interesting because now he's richest, second richest person in America, considered a genius, cult following. A couple of coin flips don't go his way. He'd just be completely bankrupt. Yeah. So And, just, uh, and also he'd have a tough time fundraising after that. Yeah, yeah. No, no. And to me, I actually quite like him. That's not a ding on him. I'm just, as I'm doing this video, learning about this, and it is interesting to see how close he was. Because now it's considered obvious that Tesla was going to be a success. You're an idiot if you didn't invest in Tesla. You know, it's obvious that SpaceX mm. is better than NASA. This was just a couple of bad breaks away from being complete nothing. Yeah, I'm thinking about, I don't know if this is actually the case. If, if, is the principle that uh, the greatness teeters on the edge of obscurity. Like if Michael Jordan had missed a handful of shots in a couple of key games... Yeah, he got six championships. I mean, well, I'm saying he might have had three. He'd have to miss a lot of shots. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think Elon was was really close to. Well, the other thing is double that, bankruptcy. You know, I, I see what you're saying, but it's also possible that let's say the fourth rocket explodes, he would have found a way. You know, he would have he would have found a way to get a fifth rocket. Like, because because like you said, the story if he hadn't put the rest of his money is, and I was down to the allotted amount, and thank God that second rocket worked. Mm -hmm. Like he kept extending the the field he's nope i'm gonna spend all my money nope i'm gonna take friends money nope i'm gonna you know like he was yep. gonna get he his, probably had eight rockets <laughs> he, tell, he will tell you he was out of money and that they were they were done sure. if it explodes that was his mindset but that day not not in hindsight he says that day i sat there and I thought if this fails this is dead now maybe he would have woke up the next day with renewed vigor yeah 
I don't know. He was also doing 22 hour days for Tesla at one point. I don't know how much more juice he had to I give. Think he still is. He's a he's a lunatic. He sleeps six hours a day now. He's very proud of it. Wow. Yeah. It'll be interesting. He's he's a fascinating dude. I hope you include the memes. I assure you that this video will disappoint all Elon fans. Yeah. As uh, everyone has something that they love about him. And yeah. it's just not enough time to include them all. Cool. So what else you got? I guess we just stick on the billionaire thing. We'll talk about Jeff Bezos. So I don't know what Jeff Bezos does with his money. So if people want to give him a hard time because he's rich and doesn't give enough. OK, but it's really impressive because I've been watching videos of a couple other billionaires for this video what he accomplished because the entire time he was doing things, people told him he was an idiot. So he left a quant hedge fund to start Amazon when there was very little in the way of e-commerce and mm -hmm. people told him no one would buy books on the internet. No one would use their credit card on the internet. Dude, I remember that. I remember when somebody said back in the day of PayPal that people are going to buy stuff on the internet. I was like, this is insane. Mm -hmm. This tiny little field, I'm going to put my credit card number in there and trust that all of my money isn't going to be gone. Mm -hmm. That I remember going, this is ludicrous. It, using your credit card on the web was insane. Yeah. It was insane. No, and he quit his very high paying job to go do it. And then they told him that he was an idiot for going into toys, that books worked, but you're a book company. Amazon is a book company. And he went into toys and games and video games, I think. That was his second or third thing. And then he started to build infrastructure to have factories and things like that, and to, to make distribution better, to get things to customers quicker. And everyone poo-pooed him and said, dude, you're an internet company. You're valued so highly because you're an internet company. You're going to be a regular retail company. You're going to get Walmart multiples. This is a bad idea. And he just constantly ignored everybody and basically just only asked himself, what is the best thing for the consumer and became the trillion dollar success that he is. And I, I think it's... Have you read his letters to shareholders? No, this is from watching him talk in the 90s. So he he wrote he writes a letter every year that's, yeah. that's two two to three pages. Uh they're really fucking good, man. Yeah. They are they are if I cared more about business, I would make you read them. <laughs> uh, I've read many of them. And what he always says is it remains day one. It remains day one. Mm. And he's constantly just like, dude, this is you, you little jokers think that the drones are the end game. Yeah. It's like, no, this is this is day one. Like, I'm I'm building this for where the world is going to be in 50 years. We're not even close to it. Yeah, he dude, he he built Amazon Web Services. He built I mean, the the way that he, and the way that he you see it unfold in the share letters, the shareholder letters is also really, really interesting. As like, where would uh, you start? Just start in the beginning, 1998. So I, there's a book where somebody summarizes them, which if you just wanted, you could do that. But they're not that long. They're a handful of pages each. You could skip over the ones that you find boring. But yeah, the, I guess it's 30 years. It's only 100 pages. Yeah, and some of them you're just oh, here's just a few stats about how big the, the book business grew. How quaint, you know? Yeah. He talks about I think he talks about the dot com bubble in there, and he's just you know we know we see this coming. This is going to happen. Like there's valuations are high, and we're yeah. focusing on our core business and making the customer happy. Like yeah. <laughs> that's what he says all the time. No, it's it's funny. I mean, people, you can hate him. He's very impressive to me. Uh, I think that the fact that he built what he built in the face of everyone telling him he was an idiot the whole time is very impressive, and the fact that. He's built something so valuable that even his haters can't stop using his company. Yeah. And that's very impressive. And so, I don't know, maybe he's murdering puppies in his free time. I, I This is not a... I have no opinion on him as a person, but mm -hmm. as a founder, uh, as I watched some of him this week to try to make this video, it's crazy. It's just incredibly impressive what he's done and his ability to 
not get caught up in maximizing his his stock price or not get caught up in sticking to books because it was finally working. You know, it's just like the opposite of WeWork when you again, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know these, but that whole business was about maximizing multiple yeah. and and paper value of the company without focusing on what is this, who is it for, and why do people want and need it? And does this fit with the world of the future at all? Yeah. For people who don't know, I could be wrong. My impression was that WeWork was a real estate company that like loved camouflage itself yeah. as a tech company yeah. and it got a big multiple and then things went wrong. And I don't know the details, but that's I watched one 20 minute video, so I'm an expert. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do uh fan questions. First one is how do you know if you should stay or leave a relationship? I have a girlfriend of a year and a half and I'm still questioning if she's the right person for me. Sometimes I feel like it would be easier if she just broke up with me or did something horrible so I had no choice. It's stressing me out. It's stressing me throughout the whole relationship and I still don't know the answer. I have a good rule. If you wish that the other person would break up with you, it's a good time to end the relationship. You should you know what I'm you should watch Jigsaw by Daniel Sloss. It's on Netflix mm. and it's a it's a stand-up that is pretty funny, but he credits it with like 7,000 plus breakups and he's very proud of that yeah. because it, it dives into all of this. And he, I, I laughed when you were reading the question because sometimes I wish, I don't want to spoil it, but he's got, I'll spoil this one joke. He's got one joke where the punchline is like, kind of just in the darkest moments, think that it'd be easier if they died. <laughs> like, not horribly, just so, in their sleep. In their sleep. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so, it's especially if you're especially if you're a year and a half in, you're not married, you don't have kids. Yeah. Like I appreciate you're married, your kids, you've been dating for twelve years, and you're at the point where you want to strangle them. You go another year or yeah. whatever the case may be, but you're a year and a half in. This is the honeymoon phase. You think that you wish that they would break up with you. I've been there, by the way. My I had a relationship in college where I didn't want to hurt the person, so I dated them far longer than I wanted to, and it didn't end up being good for me or her. This is you're not helping them because. This relationship will end if that's how you feel. Mm -hmm. So that's just my take. Yeah, and, and my take is not to break up or not break up. It's to get quiet, listen to your inner voice, and watch Jigsaw because it might, you know, make you laugh and then go, oh, damn. Yeah, maybe I overstep, but I see myself in this question. Yeah. And that's why I say. Do it. You should do it. If you're, if you're, if you're a year into a relationship, a year and a half into a relationship, and you go, I wish they would break up with me, what you're saying is, I want this relationship to end, but I feel guilty Hurting the other person. Well, and I'm afraid of obviously the difficulty of breaking up, which sucks every time. Yeah, yeah, it's not fun. And I don't mean to minimize it, but I am saying that you're both better off in the long run if one of you does end this, would yeah. be my guess. That's my guess. If I could bet money, that'd be where I put my money. Cool. Next is Hey, Charlie and Ben, I have a question about isolation. I have a very strange relationship with my family. I feel as if I'm not connected to them in any way, and I can't no matter what I do. Sometimes when I see my little sister, I desperately want to say more, but I find myself just saying hey and retreating to my own room to be alone. I get frustrated when any or whenever any of them impose themselves into my life in any way, even though I'm lonely and want connection. I, con I constantly feel like something's wrong with me because I shouldn't be feeling these things about my own family, but I do. I don't even really know what I'm asking. I guess I just need advice. Hmm. Well, I think one of the Let's start at the end, which is you're not supposed to feel these things. Mm -hmm. So generally the best way through all of this is to drop the should first. Like I shouldn't feel anger. I shouldn't want to be alone or I shouldn't should be grateful. Or I, um, and lean into the feeling and let it be because oftentimes 
when you feel that you shouldn't feel something, the feeling is trying to tell you something and you're not getting the message of it. And it's because, and it's because you don't like the first few words of the message, but the message is longer than, I don't want to talk to my family. It might be like, I'm bitter and resentful about this, 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 and you might have a long thing. And if you let the message go through all of that, then on the other end of it is, and I miss them. Or, you know, it's, it's kind of like Pandora's box where yeah. the last three things out are. Um, or honestly, it might it might also be that you're scared that they won't like you. Sure. Could so be you. could be anything. But but try to the degree that you can to go. Forget what I should be. It is how I feel. I do feel like withdrawing and I do feel conflicted about wanting to connect with them. And I do want to say something, but I also want them to get the hell out of here constantly. Um, so that's one piece. Then I'm just going to have you address this on a handful of fronts. One. The second would be a very direct um like lean in and I would say, say one extra sentence. You know, this is what we do with people that are shy sometimes. It doesn't solve always the underlying p issue of being shy. But if you want to say more than hey to your sister, say, hey, how was your day? You know, say, hey, uh, there's this movie that I saw. Have you seen it? Like just one extra thing. And uh, through that, sometimes you'll, sometimes more will come and sometimes it'll just be the extra thing. But I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure you can handle like wherever you are, one step further of reaching out if you feel that inside of you and sometimes uh momentum will take it sometimes it won't um and then the last this is these sorts of questions like your it sounds like family stuff is always um it's always core i'm sure that there's a lot of other ways that this, this affects your life and then to this i point to emotional mastery we've talked about all different kinds of therapy um that would be where I would start. And it's very likely to be the start of a longer journey of self-exploration that has this as one of its presenting symptoms, but reveals to you much more about yourself. Yeah, welcome. You're you're in for a treat. <laughs> Anything yeah. that you'd add? No, I mean, I, I don't know that I've even said this before on the podcast, but this is the first question where my initial instinct was that potentially uh, seeing a therapist would be helpful. Yeah, it's especially when you're at the stage of I don't even know what I'm saying. I don't even know. I just have these feelings and thoughts that are crowded and cluttered and I, I can't even. It'll give you someone to talk to, yeah. hopefully someone who can guide you through the process of processing. Mm -hmm. And I think it will make it easier to open up to your family who will be the second phase of people you get comfortable talking to. Mm -hmm. But yeah, norm, if, you, if you're uncomfortable talking to a stranger, you talk to friends. If you're uncomfortable talking to friends, you talk to family. And yeah, for this one, I'd say I, I would consider therapy. Yes. With all of this stuff, it's like there's a hundred different modalities. Everybody's kind of circling around the same types of problems, which is people and connection and existential questions, whether you start with therapy or something else, like just just get walking mm -hmm. down the path. I think that's the best advice I can give. Random thing related to asking questions to family, friends, girlfriends, whatever. I like the question, what was the best part of your day? Mm. I feel like how was your day? People just go into that. It's kind of like, how are, like, how are you? I'm good. Yeah. How are you? I'm good. It's just kind of rote. How was your day? It was fine. Mm -hmm. But if you say it was the best part of your day, people kind of light up. Sure. And I'm thinking if your sister, if you can get there in a way that feels natural, that's what people are excited to talk about is the good yeah. stuff. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm trying to like engage them in a conversation they want to participate in, especially if I'm someone that they don't normally mm -hmm. talk to. Yeah. And, and if the open-ended is scary for you and her, have you seen WandaVision? You know what I mean? Like sometimes it that's that's one of the nice things. Like, did you see the sports game? You know, it, it can uh, help 
build the small talk. And if you're at this phase of no talk, small talk is actually a step in mm-hmm. in the direction that it sounds like you want to head. And then we have a video on how to turn small talk into deeper connection coming out on Monday. <laughs> uh, last one is I'm a Christian and I actually agree with some of the some of your beliefs on a creator and life being a simulation. Uh, you guys will sometimes make blanket statements about Christians that I often don't quite align with. For example, people talk as if you have to choose between creation and evolution. However, I believe both. I think God used evolution to create humans. Along those lines, when I study science, I feel I am studying God because like I said about evolution, God uses science to make things happen. So when people have the attitude of science versus God, it just seems silly because you can agree with both. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. I also think it would be really cool to hear you interview a Christian and hear them out on their beliefs since it sounds like you make statements at times such as Christians think this, and it's something that I personally don't agree with. Sure. I have a thought on this. So I, I try to caveat when I talk about Christianity, I try to say Judeo-Christian by the book is what I'm saying. So for instance, Christians, people who identify as Christians can believe all sorts of things. They can think abortion is okay. They can think that Gay marriage is okay. They can think that evolution is what happened. Uh, so I guess I need to be more aware of doing that. But when I say Christians, normally that would mean a person who believes the entirety of the book. Mm-hmm. And I think that the more you stray from the book, the more what you have, I would describe as your own religion with flavors of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And I, maybe that's something that people would disagree with. But the and I could be wrong. I think the book was meant to be written by God and be inspired infallible. by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Uh, and so to the extent that the book is not 100% correct, then I question why we believe parts of the book. Yeah. So if if it's to say, oh, I think parts of the book are bad and parts of the book are good. I agree. I think parts of the book are bad and parts of the book are good. But I my question would be, do we need the book at that point? Or can we just have an, our own book that has just the good stuff? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Christ, people who identify as Christians certainly can be every sort of positive, wonderful, and thoughtful, and philosophically correct that there is in the world. Uh, <clears throat> but they all, all those people might not even agree with them each other on what Christianity sure. is. So yeah, I guess... If I had to have a definition for what Christian beliefs are, I just turn to what the Bible says. Yeah. Yeah. So what you're describing that you have is what is like mainstream American Christian, typically Protestant belief. And I'll, to reiterate what Ben said, the problem is, is what does it mean to be a Christian if you don't like, did Jesus literally die and get resurrected? Was he literally conceived of a virgin birth? Did Moses part the Red Sea with sorcery? With Yes. And, uh, uh, was the earth literally created in seven days about 6,000 years ago? Which And all of these things are textual to the Bible. Are there 10 commandments which God has given to mankind which we must obey? And if your answer is yes to some and no to others, to Ben's point, uh, I think it's it's tough. Like You, you certainly have a set of beliefs, but... Uh, I, what I would challenge you is why? Why this one and not this one? Why this one and not this one? Because uh, it's actually a far cry from the book and Christianity historically. The other thing in terms of Christianity and science is science has beaten back Christianity historically, like just 
hard constantly. They've been at odds. Galileo was put under house arrest for suggesting that people look through the telescope to see that the Earth is not the center of of the solar system. Yeah, when you say beaten back, you mean that the <laughs> so in your, what he's describing is his general consensus today of evolution exists. It's a heliocentric universe, yeah. but that wasn't always the case. The Bible claimed otherwise and, and has as, given as has did given religious ground. authority. Yes, it's given ground as scientific exploration has mm -hmm. continued in most people. Some people don't agree. Some people think yeah. their evolution's garbage, and some people probably believe that the Earth is the center of the solar system. Sure. But it sounds like you have a more, what, I, what I've typical, like my family has these beliefs. So I, I am familiar with them. I have spoken at length to people who believe these sorts of things. Um, yeah, it sounds like- I know, was religious. I got bar mitzvah. <laughs> yeah. like I read, no, I, I, I read I, Torah. Yeah, they, they tried to make me go to CCD. I went to, uh, <laughs> I went to Sunday school. Um, but yeah, no, if, if you and I sat down, I think we could have a conversation, but it, your point is, is well-received and well-taken that there is not, if, if Christian doesn't mean believes that the Bible is the work of God, or at least divinely inspired to a degree to which we can take what it says at near face value, mm -hmm. then every Christian or person who identifies as a Christian is very different. And in fact, doesn't agree with one another. And it is tough to make any sort of statement about Christian, just like it's impossible to make a statement about men, women, blacks, whites, Democrats, Republicans, whatever. It is a shorthand and you are you're right to note that like, hey, this doesn't describe me. Um, well, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, if a Christian is someone who identifies as a Christian, then a Christian doesn't necessarily have to believe in the Christian Bible at all. Like I, I mean, identify as Jewish. Yeah, well, there's Jews for Jesus, dude. I identify as Jewish. <laughs> You're a Jew for no, Jesus. I have no belief in the Torah or the Bible at all. So You could be a Jew for Jesus, which is like, isn't that a Christian? Yeah, it's so like it's like, <laughs> well, do I, I would say if someone were to criticize the beliefs of Judaism and say something that isn't counter to my beliefs, that doesn't counter their argument. Does that make sense? If you said, hey, I think that I think that Judeo Jude, Jewish beliefs are wrong because they think X, Y, Z. And I go, well, I don't believe that. And I'm Jewish. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a counter argument because I'm I identify as Jewish without believing any of the tenets of the Torah, except for the ones that are that make sense to me. So yeah. I don't know that I'm a good so here's, I guess here's the question. Between us and the rest of the world, if we had to say, what is a Christian 2021? What are the necessary, or you lose the label? Because this is the other thing. In, so, in some arguments, it's like, Western beliefs are based on Judeo-Christianity, so actually you're a Christian. And I go, look, if you want to call me a Christian, That's what I'm saying. If Christian I can be a Christian. Yeah, if, if Christian just means I say I'm Christian, or even one step further, you say I'm Christian, then sure, I'll just say there's nothing. Christians yeah. have no common beliefs that every single Christian holds, mm -hmm. and that's fine. But, well, this is my question, I, and as, as you're listening, ask yourself, what, what are the mandatory, non-negotiable, distinguishing features of Christians today? Um, the easiest one, which I know is not widely held, is believes that the Bible was divinely inspired by the creator of the universe. I know one, I have one. What? Born into a family that identifies as Christian. I mean, yeah, well, I think that's, I actually think that the social aspect of Christianity is the, um, and not just Christianity of all religions, is the more definitive aspect of it in modern times yeah. because so few people are tied to the aspects of the uh, tradition that they find cumbersome. Like, you know, no sex to marriage. Like, you can get rid of that one pretty pretty quick. Uh, there's there's just a lot of things, you know, it is, it is harder for a rich man to make it into the kingdom of God than it is for a camel to pass through the eye of needle. Like, what was Jesus saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, 
<laughs> let's go get wealthy. Um, and I don't mean I don't mean this to to say that you hold any of these beliefs because I actually don't know what you think. And that's sort of the point of this question is, yeah, I don't I don't know what it means to be a Christian if it doesn't mean to believe that the Bible is divinely inspired, except what I see in my family, which is it's a label that we put on ourselves to we say, oh, uh, trust in God when bad things happen. Um, the universe has an order that is that is all benevolently yeah, but, ordered. But most people who are identify as Christian don't even believe that. When bad things happen, they don't roll with it like the Buddha and say, well, this too had a purpose. Like people... No, when people die, they go, he's in a better place. And I think they genuinely believe things, it. Yeah, but when bad things happen to them, they don't, they don't necessarily take solace in the fact that this is God's plan. They fight hard against... They fight, but I actually think... I mean, I see a lot of solace taken in God's plan. Really? In my In my family, I see people, yeah. I've seen people get fired and fight or get a divorce filed and fight. Oh, you always fight. They fight for their yeah, the yeah. custody of their kids. Sure. Not Very few people just go, whatever will come to pass occurred because of God's divine plan. Nope. They actually try to take a lot of ownership themselves. Uh, they try to steer. Yes, but when the steering proves impossible at that point, then it's... I don't see that in people our age a lot. I see a lot of depression and anxiety. I don't see a lot of people who you are... You probably don't know a lot of Christians. <laughs> our, our friends aren't aren't like that. My family that I... My, my extended family of origin, I just know when, when that was the refrain. You know what I mean? Was... Does it help? them not i think it does really yeah i mean listen there's good reason uh i don't believe in the literal truth of the claims of christianity but i think there was a good reason to, to have religion in your life and i i watched it you know there was a uh, a neighbor and it was easy because it was a neighbor than their own kid but a neighbor who had a car accident died at 16 and it was very sad but you know you know this is part of god's plan and it it, it was a modicum of solace and I saw that repeatedly. Hmm. And, you know, I've had, you know, my... I, I don't imagine know. that comes at a cost, though. Of course Such it does. Such sending people to war. And if they, you know, you're oh, probably yeah. more, you're less likely to have people die if you thought everyone that died was going to go to hell, for instance. There's, if you just had a different religious belief. There, okay. or, I mean, also, this is how you get people beheaded in Paris, is you have religious beliefs. This that, is a separate argument of whether believing Christianity does immaterial of its truth claim is is a net good or bad thing for you're the world. That sometimes it's good. Yeah. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm saying if if the book if no book is true, hypothetically, I'm not saying that none are, then having people believe the book could be net harmful, actually. Yeah. Because you are going to take action based on something that's not true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the truth is, I mean, I I had one point thought I was going to be the next Hitchens. I was writing my book on Christianity. And I was like, you know what? This has been done. This argument has been had, believe it or not, over and over yeah, and yeah. over again. And in my opinion, it has been decisive every single time in the not atheist, in the a. Well, I guess it's atheist. And you make a claim about the creator that is based on a on a book, and uh, the atheist in that case has won through every rebuttal that I've seen. And I've yeah, watched many, many, which many doesn't of mean them, there's in no, my opinion, which doesn't mean there's no divinity. It just no. And then I did, and then I did psychedelics, and I was like, nailed it. Uh, yeah, and then I did psychedelics. I was like, damn, the mystics had it right. Like Saint Teresa d'Avila, who was a Christian mystic who felt penetrated by the spirit of God. I was like, that's that's ayahuasca. <laughs> like I've been there. I've uh, you know, people. So so I'm not actually weirdly enough. It's so cheesy, and I hate the phrase. I'm not religious, but I I get the spirituality 
aspect of it. I think that there's there's uh, states of consciousness that will blow your blow your top off. No, no, that's listen. I'm not here to tell you that there's nothing divine or that there's nothing beyond the scope of the human senses or no higher power in the sense of a being that is more powerful than humans, but that we don't quite see or understand yet. Mm-hmm. Mine is about books that people claim to be infallible. And the reason is because I don't know how else to define any of these religious beliefs, Christians, Muslims, if not for the holy book, because then you just get, well, I don't think that I think this and it's, well, so how do we speak about this group of people if not by referring to this? The thing that they read, the thing that they go to church and read or go to synagogue and read. Yes. So hopefully that answers the question as best we can. That's all I got. That's all we got. All right. Thank you, everybody. Time for patrons. We got patrons. Guys, uh, the gravy train of Jordan Belfort has run out. <laughs> we need you. No, we uh, we appreciate all our patrons. Um, we're at nearly at our goal on Patreon for Justin's salary. Added to the AdSense that we have, we've cleared it. But the AdSense is going to fluctuate because we don't always have super winning clips. So yeah. uh, if you guys want to keep supporting the podcast, it helps us tremendously for to people, keep it going. For people that don't know, 100% of the funds for the podcast go to the podcast. Try mm-hmm. and I to make no money from this. It goes to Justin. It goes to buying equipment. We got a switcher for Justin. And we did a D&D game as a test to do it. So it's like it's podcast and potentially expansions of the yeah, podcast. But that, but so if you like the podcast and you want to see more of it, please give to the, patron, uh, the Patreon. Uh, 100% yeah. of it goes towards podcast-related things. And we're about to shoot probably another hour of content we do every week for patrons. So if you donate, what is the amount, Justin? Three is the lowest amount. $3. So if you give $3 a month, you get another hour of questions for, uh, we basically do Q&A for patrons. Yeah. And if we ever change any of that and we ever make money, we'll let you know. But for now, (laughs) that's not the case. So far, actually still $1,000 in because of all the equipment that we used to start. All right. Take care, everybody. Peace. Before we go to patron questions, first, thank you to our sponsor, Kettle and Fire. Kettle and Fire is run by our buddy. They make bone broths. And Ben, I know, is a huge fan of this. He heats them up, eats them all the time. But basically, if you've not tried it, it's ethically sourced. Uh, we've we've discussed this at length because we know we're big on like animals and that kind of stuff. All of the bones that are made into the broth are actually from animals that have already been killed for other purposes. So we're not contributing to the demand for this. We are more trying to use the entirety of the animal. The other thing is they are very, very rich in micronutrients, which are oftentimes near impossible to get in other ways of your diet, right? You're not going to get them necessarily from meats or from other things. I know that you eat it. How do you prepare it? You just microwave it. So they mail it to you. It comes in a carton. It lasts forever, basically, until you open it. You open it, you put it in a cup, microwave it, and drink it. Yeah, and for the end times, it's really good to have because (laughs) it has a lot of good (laughs) shelf life. I've actually been meaning to do it. I have some. I'm just, I literally am so lazy. I can't microwave a damn thing, so... For, for you, for you, Justin, I'm going to give this a try. But if you guys want to check it out, we have a link in the description. Do you, what is the, I don't know, but if you click the link, you'll find out whatever our special offer if is. If you click the link, you'll find the offer, but uh, check it out. It's good shit. Mm-hmm. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.